Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Ultras. This is Arun Sudhaman in Hong Kong, joined by my co-host, Cricket Ultra's highest run scorer, Darren Burns in Singapore. How are you, Darren? <laughs> I love the recognition. Thank you. Um, I mean, is that actually true? Might be. I, I think it, it probably is. Well, I'm much older than you guys too, so maybe that's, that's also something to do with You know, it. longevity is, uh, is, is, is a skill, you know, these days. And also on the line, of course, in Hong Kong, with his unplayable cricket ultras, Yorkers, it's Toby Doman. <laughs> How are you, Toby? I'm very well, Arun. Nice to see you again. Uh, we're all dressed in black, I noticed. Quite funereal today, but I think we've got a fun show ahead, so hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. Well, you know why we're dressed in black? I, I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside. It's in honour. It's in honour of the black caps. Yes. We, you forgot the memo. We, we talked about it's this. It's got to be, right? World Test Championship winners. Finally, finally, New Zealand has won a major competition in cricket. And, you know, I really don't want to make it sound like our usual kind of faint praise of New Zealand cricket. Uh, it was a, a, a fantastic and very well-deserved win for the Black Caps. Darren, did you catch much of the game? And, and what did you make of the, uh, the Kiwi performance? I must say, I just love the, I loved that test. You know, I was waiting with bated breath every day to try and watch it. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen with the rain. So it was like, we'd go on there and sit down with a glass of wine and then all of a sudden you switch it on. It's like, okay, rain delay. A great showcase for cricket. The conditions were were great English conditions. It was it was bat and ball, right? There was bat ball was always in play. There was a chance to sort of knuckle down if you you could do really well with the bat, as Kane Williamson did in both innings, showing his class. But you know, for me, it was just how good is Jameson? Like that guy is insane. I've seen him bowl a little bit before, but he he swings the ball both ways. He moves the ball both ways. He's in his mid twenties. He gets he bowls great length. And areas a bit like Pat Cummins does, but almost a bit fuller. But he moves the ball way more than Cummins does. And it's just, he's just going to be a legend. If he goes on the way he's going now, he's going to be one of the best bowlers ever. I mean, he, he was just outstanding. And what I thought was funny is the commentators were saying, oh, he's bowling too many in swingers and out swingers. It's like, hey, dude, <laughs> look at his stats, right? Like he averages like 11 with the ball, right? And he's for his yeah. first. I think 15. Oh, maybe it's dropped. Yeah, it's, it's dropped, dropped a little bit. 11, but yeah. I mean, um, he, he looks amazing. And, um, just, just this, this two stalwarts, right? You know, I, I think Ross Taylor and, and Kane Williamson being there at the end and hitting those runs, just embracing in the middle of the wicket and that kind of visual of that, uh, of that photo uh, and the video that you saw after, just the relief that they had and just that they'd finally won something after all those semifinals and, you know, 2019, the heartbreak of 2019 in England. I mean, it was just such a great thing, great game to watch and I'm so glad they won it in the end. I mean, I think India really missed a beat kind of going in, going in with two spinners, it, it wasn't the right option. Yeah, we, let, let's let's talk about New Zealand a little bit more before we we get into India. Um, I think Kyle Jameson, you're right, that the areas he bowls are superb. And I think what makes him more dangerous is the high release point, isn't it? They, I, I saw a video the other day where they were comparing Jameson with Jason Holder. Both of them are about six foot seven, six foot eight. Right, so they're tall, first of all, but Jameson's release point is considerably higher than Jason Holder's because of his action. Uh, it's the highest release point in world cricket, um, and it's the highest release point in world cricket for some time. 
I think maybe only Irfan Khan had a higher release point, but he didn't he didn't play as well and he's nowhere near the bowler that Kyle Jameson is. And that high release point, I think you kind of forget how much of a difference it can make when you're bowling at full, when the ball is moving. Uh, the Indian batsman really, really struggled with it. Um, so he was, uh, you know, and to have him coming on first change uh, after Tim Southey, who bowled really well, uh, Trent Bolt wasn't at his best, but kind of improved and, and was pretty good in the second innings. And then, of course, our, our favorite Wagner, uh, who just kind of made something happen on that final day, right? The match looked like it was drifting. Uh, Jadeja and Pant were at the wicket. Uh, you know, it was an, there was an hour after lunch where no wicket had fallen. And I, I was watching it thinking, I think maybe India are out of the woods here. Um, but Wagner bowled, what was it, 14 or 15 short pitch deliveries in a row, really bending his back, trying to get something out of the wicket. And then he slipped in the fuller one uh, and Jadeja bit. And after that, it was, you know, it was kind of game set and match. That's clearly New Zealand's greatest ever bowling attack. Um, I mean, are we agreed that this, is, this has got to be their, their, their greatest ever yeah. test team? And you've as also well? got Matt, Matt Henry, right? Uh, on the sidelines, who didn't get a game, right? And Ajaz Patel. And the other guy. There's another guy, right? Henry uh, Patel and yeah, Lockie Ferguson. Lockie Ferguson, yeah. So they definitely got a good bowling lineup. Yeah. So, and now with Devin Conway at the top of the order, it's impressive. And, you know, even um, Kyle Jameson, it's, it's taken him a while to get into the team. And he almost quit playing cricket at one point. Uh, but he was persuaded to stay in the game. Uh, New Zealand were bowled out for 46 by South Africa in 2013. And, and apparently they used that result to kind of uh, signal a sort of rethink, a root and branch review, as you might call it in Australia, of the, of the national game. Uh, and, and we're seeing the results. More like, a, more like a leaf. More like it. Yeah. And we're seeing the results now. I think they've, they've got, despite having a, a small player base, they still have fabulous facilities. They have world-class coaching. Um, and you know, you see the results here, Toby. Yeah, I agree with that. With resourcing, I read the um, yesterday that I think New Zealand's cricket authorities turn over around twenty-five million pounds a year. Uh, the ECB turns over two hundred million, and just look at the state of the respective games in those two countries. James, back to Jameson. You know, he's he's a big unit. Um, but when you see really, really tall, kind of thin players, you think they may break down, they have hamstring problems, but he looks solid. And if he can keep going, uh, he's going to have a very long career because he's got a very methodical fluid action. Um, so I think he can stick around and he's a very handy number eight as well. So he's not, well, um, he, he, his, his batting in the first innings along with healthy. Tim Southey, you could argue that made the difference in the final yeah, reckoning too. I'm mm. going to mention that. Mm. And Va- Wagner, Wagner? Do we say Wagner or Wagner? I, never I like knew. saying Wagner. It's, it's, I think it's Wagner, but you it's, know, Wagner, it sounds quite Wagner arch. Has a, has arch, a doesn't it? it? You see, Mr. Yeah. Wagner will take you out now. Um, I mean, he's got a really, really good set of skills. I think in New Zealand, he's kind of known to bang it in short, and that's his specialty, 14 balls in a row, as you say. But he showed incredible uh, adaptation to English skills, uh, so, uh, English conditions, uh, and used, you know, fuller length deliveries and, and a bit of psychology too, at a decent clip. So he's a really skillful bowler. 
Plus Saudi, he's been around for a while, very widely, uh, obviously very well known for his outswingers too. So they've got variety. They've got backup. I really like Matt Henry as well. I think he's unfortunate given that the quality of the, the, the bowling lineup to not get more games, frankly. Um, so yeah, absolutely stocked with talent. Uh, and it looks like great times ahead for, for the Black Caps and congratulations to them. Yeah. And I, th- I think having those two tests against England where they probably could have won two, two zip, right? Uh, they looked like a well-drilled unit. They just looked like everybody in the team, instead of the, the Australian team of the of 20 years ago, right? That almost everybody is is a solid member of that team. Somebody stands up when they need to. You mentioned Southie and Jamison with the bat, right? Someone will do something when some, nothing's happening. Wagner will come in and make something happen out of nothing. It just seems like every member of that team is a cohesive unit. They're really in it together. They really, you know, they really wear their heart on their sleeve and they really do whatever they can. And they've just got this great way of, you know, if you look at Jamison and Conway, who are quite recent additions, they've just added to it. You know, they're a good team already and they've just slotted straight in and just put up that next level, I think. Um, so, yeah, this is a great team. Hopefully they can still get play together for a while. I think it's fantastic for world cricket. Yeah, I think, you know, the, they have some kind of char- unique characteristics in a way. They, they don't have the star culture that you see in, certainly in India and Australia, to a certain extent in England. You know, it, it's a team where, it always feels like, you know, the whole is 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 kind yes, of yes. It's a bit like the All Blacks. Some of its parts, it's like, the, yeah. like the All Blacks in rugby, right? It's really that team first mentality versus like me first. Whereas I think a lot of the Australian, you know, players and Indian players, it's like, what can I get out of this? What am I going to do? Why am I not getting a bowl? Right. Whereas I, I don't think there's that mentality in in the New Zealand uh, mindset. I don't think there's any tolerance for it, really. Yeah. Um, there's no diva esque behaviour. You know, Kane Williamson is such a great advert for the game. Um, and, you know, it's, it's so so nice to see him, like you said, there at the end with Ross Taylor. So yeah, well done to to New Zealand. I, th- I thought the England series was really instructive there. I was watching them go about their work in that series. I thought, because they played, what, 16 players over those two matches? Yeah. Uh, and it made you think, my gosh, they're beating England, or, or at least they're outperforming England comfortably with their second string here. On the one hand, it raised questions about England, which we, we can get to in a little bit, but it also just kind of reminded us all, I think, that uh, New Zealand cricket's in a really strong position right now. Um, <laughs> you said it reminded you of the Australian team 20 years ago. It reminded me of the Indian team six months ago. Um, those were heady days. In, in Australia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Back when India were good. Now we suck. Yeah, that was something. So anyway, over to India. Well, I think they only have themselves to blame in many respects. Uh, they were undercooked. They were rusty. Um, they really didn't look prepared for the match. Obviously, the conditions were always going to be tough for them because they didn't play any meaningful practice matches. They they played an intra-squad match instead in which uh, they all got runs and wickets. So it was, it was good. It was good practice. India have this habit of using the first test of a series as preparation. I thought that was England. Uh, maybe, but it's it's definitely India on away tours as well. Uh, it's a yeah. bit difficult to do that when there's only one test in a series, though. So uh, I can't wait for the I can't wait for the England India series, man. That's going to be interesting, right? It's going to be interesting. But what are they playing? Five tests in six weeks. I know. I mean, it's going to be a, like a it's arduous. It's going to be last man standing August. on that one. I think. Yeah, and then they've got the IPL and then the World Cup, right, almost straight away. I mean, they're going to be playing it in September. Yeah, they are. In England, it's going to be quite chilly. Well, it doesn't start until, was it, first week of August. Yeah, the Indian team's just... After the 100. Yeah, of course. Or during the 100, actually. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Um, 
But yeah, so India, I just think they were, yeah, I don't know if they underestimated the game or their opponents. I find that hard to believe. I just think they were, they just didn't didn't look um, prepared. I mean, Boomer is clearly uh, not operating at his best. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look good. Shami bowled well. You know, Ishan Sharma was fine. Picking two spinners in retrospect was a bad move, but I don't actually mind them pick. This is their best eleven. I think it's okay. I think it's all right for them to pick their best eleven. Yeah. If if Brummer had bowled well, I think it, you know we wouldn't be having this. You know, it wouldn't have been such an issue. Uh, it's it's probably more of an issue in the batting. I felt because neither Ashwin nor Jadeja really uh, contributed much with the bat, and you could maybe argue they didn't need five bowlers. Um, and they could have gone in with um, another batsman, perhaps a Hanuma Vihari or someone like that, uh, and gone in with four bowlers. But I actually didn't mind the selection, and I, you know, I've been very critical of Indian team selections in the past. I, 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 I didn't feel like you know hindsight's wonderful, but I didn't feel like in this case they made any glaring errors. I just think they were outplayed and outfought. This Pandya could could have been an option, right? But I don't think they like Hardik Pandya for. Long form, He's, right? uh, His bowling is still, I don't think, up to a five-day match. Uh, and I'm not sure you'd play him as a batsman alone. Uh, I'm just looking at the scorecard, actually, just seeing his batting. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of starts, but there's no finishes. And do, do you think they didn't handle the weather disruption as well as the Kiwis in that respect? Um, I think they didn't handle the conditions as well as the Kiwis. You know, t- New Zealand had played two test matches against England, first of all. Secondly, New Zealand are more used to these conditions. It's more similar to New Zealand. India always struggle in England. It's their, their worst um, their worst destination for their batsmen. Uh, so it's always going to be tricky. And this was a pitch which was doing a lot. Uh, and and they got the worst of the game, uh, probably. They got the worst of the conditions, the most overhead cover, all of that. Regardless, you have to you have there are ways to to bat successfully in these conditions. Virat Kohli did it on the last tour. He didn't do it in this match. I think the other thing we have to maybe talk about is is the Indian top five. There are, I think, some question marks now, some of these players. You know, I, I wouldn't say any of them need to be dropped yet, but I think there are some question marks. Is it, is it a top is it a top six issue? It's really a, an England issue. Is it really the conditions? Because you know they did okay in Australia, right? Yeah, it's it's a good question. What about New Zealand didn't do well last time either did they they got bitten by New Zealand. They didn't in New Zealand. Well if you look at the last two years, India's uh, the Indian batsman performance outside India. Virat Kohli hasn't hasn't scored a century now for more than eighteen months. Now I'm not saying we should we should drop Virat <laughs> big call. Kohli. Okay, that's a big call. Chetashwara Pujara. Okay, he 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 occupied the crease for a long time in Australia, but he hasn't had a meaningful score uh, outside of India for a while. Ajinkya Rahane, his average over the last two years is not good. Um, it's like thirty five or something like that. I'm not convinced he's worth his place in the top six. I've had my doubts about him for a while. Rohit Sharma's never made a meaningful score uh, outside the subcontinent. Yeah, I'm with um, And Shubman Gill is at the start of his career and seems to have a clear technical flaw. So I think there are some question marks. You know, Rishabh Pant obviously is great. You're not going to drop him. There are some other batsmen in, waiting in the wings. Um, you know, Surya Kumar, Yadav and... Shreyas Iyer and Hanuma Vihari, players like that. I just I do wonder whether some of these batsmen are getting a little complacent. I think it's a I think it's a horses for courses thing. Maybe 
maybe it's the swinging conditions that go on for a longer time, right? Where in England, the ball swings all the way through and it's not reverse swing, right? It was swinging conventionally the whole test. I just think that it, they've just, they're not up for it. You know, in Australia, the ball swings for a while and then maybe it reverses later on, but it doesn't swing like it does in England, right? Yeah, but if if, if Chetashwara Pujara, who's supposed to be India's best defensive batsman, right? The guy you rely on to play the toughest conditions. You know, if he can't prosper, and this is only one test match, I'm aware, but if he's not going to prosper in these conditions, then, you know, you're not playing him for the flat tracks, really. So anyway, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens looking forward in England series because either they will bounce back well, these batsmen, um, or it's going to be another, you know, more more of this kind of these these tests, I think. Uh, and Coley, I mean, he's got to be, he's got to be pretty anxious about uh, the lack of big scores. Best of three, you're saying, right? <laughs> oh, we've lost the first one. Okay, let's do best of three. <laughs> Isn't like that what, what we always? Child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was hilarious, right? Yeah, I know, I know, I lost, but best of three. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway, well done to New Zealand. They did they did really Indeed. well. So should we move on? Um Toby, let's talk a little bit about English cricket because my abiding uh, memory of the of the New Zealand series, I wasn't I didn't watch much of it, but I was kind of following it and it, it just seemed to me that England are in a bit of disarray these days. Their their selection is continues to be a bit muddled. Um, they've got a lot of players out of form. Um, they've now got some serious injuries. Uh, what do you make of it all? Am, am I am I overplaying it? No, I think you're right. I think it, you know, look, the, the batsmen for that series may as well have been having custard pies strapped to their feet. The way they were moving at the wicket, terrible. I mean, that, that's just one of the litany of issues that they've got. Um, but taking it back to the start, I think many of the problems come from England's policy of rotation. Obviously, they want to protect players through arduous calendars and uh, Chris Silverwood and, and others and Ed Smith before him and said we, we're going to rotate and that means not all the best players will be available. Throw in the IPL as well where they, some of the players like Joss Butler wanted to play. So you've got, you've got a, it's a complicated situation where, and, and it's led to an, um, a reversion back to lots of selection problems that England may have had in the 90s, for example, where you're picking people that haven't really got much form or experience because either horses for courses or people just are not available. And, you know, ahead of an Ashes series, you've got the challenge of a heavyweight side in India coming to England at all the wrong times after, you know, New Zealand outplayed England in those two tests. Uh, telling me the fielding was ragged. Uh, New Zealand are the best slip catchers in the world at test level. Yeah. And are, uh, fourth, I think, or slipping down. They're catching at like 90% or something, 93%, something like that. It's insane. It's, it's Ross Taylor. He's got giant Ross guys. <laughs> That's the level. Yeah. It, except for, <laughs> you know, our friend Southie. I think he, he, he shelled a few, didn't he? He, he shelled one in the India game. Yeah, he shelled two, I and think. Even, even I felt bad for him. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So the fielding is top top class, and so that's that's the level that they need to be reaching. So uh, let's take the batting, and I think the batting is a serious issue because if you look at the lineup England have picked over the last couple of tests, it's reliant on Rory Burns, who has a very strange technique. Dom Sibley has also a very strange technique. And Nasser Hussain was actually very and shit averages. They average like twenty nine or thirty for poor returns. And Nasser Nasser Hussain was really really 
angry actually um recently i saw him on sky talking about how these stupid techniques have been coming into test cricket and, and it's been allowed to <laughs> go along with well if it works for him it works for him he said let's get back to basics and just play simply and he's had a go and then other people have had a go i've just noticed that this is a classic bit of aussie mental disintegration before the uh before the ashes the old attack dogs warney and, and, and mark war who by the way is not the best player in his family but um those <laughs> between, between those two they were basically saying no idea how dom sibley in particular is playing at test level and he seems to be um you know something of a charmed life in that top order i don't i don't see it myself either he's not great to watch and as you say the the returns are not not fantastic so the batting batting is a worry a terrible hair as well oh has he yeah. oh you mean rory no, burns burns yeah, but rory so. burns yeah, did yeah. score 100 in the first test didn't he against new zealand he did but yeah he was top God, scorer by one yeah i know it's Just... painful to watch I, I, it's really <laughs> painful to watch actually you have to look away yeah and I don't know whether this is all because everybody sees Steve Smith and thinks I can be an unorthodox world-class batsman as well. I don't get it. But anyway, Nasser Hussain was quite upset. If you want to go on YouTube and check out his little rant. So the, the batting is a concern. I think the selections of people like Dan Lawrence haven't come off yet. They'll probably stick with him for the India series. James Bracey was brought in because Ben Folkes, the wicketkeeper batsman, had, had been injured. Joss Butler was also being rested because of IPL duties but he looked shell-shocked throughout his batting uh was just overwhelmed by the occasion and his keeping uh with the duke's ball wobbling after it passes the batsman causing him all sorts of trouble he plays top three for his county in gloucestershire and he's coming in at six and so there's all these square pegs and round hole scenarios in the batting which i'm really worried about for for england and india and that will be demoralizing if india hammer in england at home that's not great preparation for a, a tough fascist series I think a lot will depend on England's bowling, right? If they get the bowling right, they can definitely skittle India out. Um, so so how, how, how do you see England's bowling? Well, the bowling's a funny one because you've obviously got Broad and Anderson, the evergreen uh, openers, and they've been trying to keep either of them wrapped in cotton wool throughout. And the thinking sounds like they're obviously going to go to Australia. And, and that's causing a bit of a problem because England's attack is actually quite old. Their oldest bowler is, is, um, sorry, fastest bowler is Mark Wood at 31. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, 38, and, and Stuart Broad uh, nudging 35. And beyond that, the youngest uh, is Craig Overton, who I've seen in Australia bowling, and I'm afraid didn't have much penetration at all when I saw him. So I'm not sure what, what he's going to bring. So I think there's a problem with the bowling in that the, the, the focus on Broad and Anderson and nursing them through has led to a bit of neglect elsewhere potentially and there's a lovely you know i love a stat it's been a while since we've rolled out a stat but since the queen came to the throne in 1952 there have only been four test fifers in australia that have been taken there by visiting seamers of 35 years plus and three of those are from richard hadley so it's not a place I to go if you're an aging seamer did you yeah, in brisbane i think he got nine wickets i was there watching it as a youngster maybe i was like 10 or something 11 and he was bowling up a short run he was just unplayable. He was zipping it around everywhere. Well, it's hard to do. It's no country for all. We had a really shit team then. <laughs> you know, our eighties, our eighties like team was pretty crap. I think the only good player was Alan Border. Yeah. Uh, yes. Those were the days. So bowling, bowling is is maybe a bit more settled, but the the spinning options are still not settled either. Don Bess has lacked confidence. Uh, there's still question marks over whether does Adil Rashid get coached back into Red Bull cricket? What's going to happen with Moeen? Is he gone forever? Isn't, is Jack you know, Leach is still around though, right? He is, but I, I don't. I think the jury's still out on him. He, he, obviously, he's reliable, but does he off, offer you the penetration on a drying, dusty bowl 
in Australia somewhere to get you five wickets. You know, I don't know. I think the other problem England are facing is they the prioritization of the Ashes is really hurting them. Like they could have made it to the final of the World Test. Are they prioritizing it, or was just the media prioritizing it? They de- <laughs> they decided to prioritize the Ashes, and they rested so many players that that they didn't that they didn't make it. And you know that's kind of the goal. But it, they they are if if that's the case, if if the Ashes is uh, is that important, then you know in a way you, they kind of have to accept they're going to lose a lot of games. I guess, um, but and, then and the payoff has to be a bloody good performance. Then they've got down to, under. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the problem is they're now caught between. Two stools, right? They're neither doing particularly well in the run-up, um, but also the players that they're expecting to deliver from them in the Ashes are now not not suggesting that they're going to do well in that series. So they don't really have a clear idea who they who they're going to pick. Well, well, so, Ru- yeah, Joe Root's performances as well are a big concern because I, I watched him in the second test against New Zealand and he was just becalmed. He had no real. I don't. He didn't whether to go forward, back, defend. What whatever was going on in his mind, he was completely in neutral. And so the yeah, the captaincy then starts to become a burden on a player who's probably more comfortable not being captain. Let's be honest. And so there's question marks start to pop up all over the the the, the team sheet. And so there's more questions and answers right now. We'll, we'll talk about Ollie Stone later, but he's. You know, apart from what he what he put on Twitter and what he believes in, he looked quite sharp, didn't he? I thought. Well, we should say Ollie Robinson rather I'm than sorry, Ollie, Ollie Stone. Ollie sorry, sorry, it's a different sorry, sorry, Ollie. Yeah. Too many Ollies yeah, at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of Ollies around. There's a lot of Ollies. I think. Ollie Pope. Yeah. Ollie Robinson. Ollie, Ollie Stone. Pope. Yeah, it's like the equivalent to Bruce. Yeah, now, it is. I feel. <laughs> we had yeah. Karens for a while. Now they're now they're Ollies. And Megan. Aren't there a lot of Megans? I think I feel like there's a lot of Megan. Yeah, no, he looked good, right? And he, he's a, he's a decent county county bowler. He's he's young, 24 years old, I think, and has done a decent amount on the circuit. But you know, he, we're asking a lot, aren't you, to bring him in and, and change games? And you know, but yeah, he's a bright spot, I guess. But Ollie Stone was also uh, Ollie Stone very, bowled well. very Didn't rapid. He bowl well in, in India. Yeah, he was good in India. He was a bright spot too. He's, you know, very, uh, very rapid, but he's broken down with a stress fracture in his back. Um, so he's out. So again, the injuries crisis on the fast bowlers strikes. I kind of thought Zach Crawley would do better, right? You know, I, I, I think he looks quite good. And I, I thought he might bat well in Australia, but if he's not, the trouble is, you see, if, if you're trying to rotate these people and not bring them through and they're not in good form and you say, I'm, I'm going to bring you to Australia, and if you've lost this test series against India, you're in shit form, you're not going to really turn it around in Australia, right? It's probably the worst place to be. That's the problem. It's that, That's exactly what... It, they're getting the worst of all worlds right now. They don't have a settled team. Um, they're, they're losing, uh, and it doesn't look like they have a very an idea at all who's going to be in their first 11 in Brisbane or where, wherever the first test is going to be played. And having said that, they're going to beat India 5-0, and we'll be eating humble pie. <laughs> I think they will win. I, yeah. No, I, I do think they'll win against India. Do you? Um, I'm not sure. Late. Yeah, well, I, I don't think, think so. I, I think, think they'll, so. First of all, I think they'll have more resources to call on. I think India will, ha- will suffer so many injuries. India already suffer injuries at the best of times. Uh, when they're playing five tests in six weeks, um, I mean, it's going to be a field day for Indian injuries. Maybe that will help India. They'll have to bring in Shadul Thakur and Washington yeah. Sundar and all the legends, oh, the legends, legends of Brisbane uh, of of the Gabba. Yeah. yeah, so maybe maybe that will help. Who knows? I, I actually wouldn't mind it uh, to see some of these guys. I come think later in the season, it, 
the pitch is a bit drier, probably not as green. So it might it might suit them. You know, Ashwin bowled out really well, I thought, in, against New Zealand. Uh, Ashwin's fine. So, he's, he's looking fine. So they've got a better spin attack. Yeah. If you get a few dry pitches, right, they might run through. Yeah. So it, it might be close. I think it could be. Could yeah, I'm just even. concerned about. I'm concerned about the big guns. The the big batsmen for India are not firing, and um, Bumrah is not firing. And it, yeah, they might. They might. It's, it's tricky. They might have used it as a the, the New Zealand game as a warm up game. <laughs> yeah, but now they're at Wimbledon. Yeah, with Ravi, so, he was spotted with Ravi. Yeah, he's he's he was he he did pitch he pitched up at Wimbledon with in a very fetching. Who's Ravi barracking for? Did he did he get in, did he get introduced by the way? You know when they introduce all the dignitaries, did he have to stand up and, and uh, former England cricket captain Ravi Shastri? Yeah, maybe, maybe he's, he he just clapped himself. Does he? Uh, I bet you he was hitting the bar hard. Um, does he? Whoa! Does he? Uh, <laughs> as you do at a corporate hospitality event. As well, look uh, as as he himself said, if you want to make a joke about me drinking, go ahead. Yeah, have some yeah, fun. People enjoy it. That's great. Um, who was he yeah. barracking for? He's probably getting into the pims, right? He would have loved that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, do, I don't know. There aren't any... Well, you know he had a very well-publicized romance with Gabriella Sabatini. What? Yeah, back in the day. Did you not oh, know that? She, she, was was my, she was my crush as a, as a, as a young oh. boy. I'm gutted. Oh. So, well, Robbie's stock price has gone up in your book now. It's like... Ah, <laughs> oh, what, what a swordsman. Well done. <laughs> this was big news in India. I bet it was. In, India did not produce sports people that were international Lotharians, let's say. Uh, to see Ravi Shastri out lot. there with his with his moustache. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, and they asked him about it in an interview once. He said, uh, you know, as an international sportsman, there will be women. God. <laughs> I can tell you a story, and, uh, but I won't tell you Yeah, okay. Yeah, he left that. it at that. He's not the kind of guy who's gonna kiss and tell Ravi Shastri, I think. You know, gent, he's a, gent. He's a gent to the end. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like India will turn up particularly well prepared for the England series. They're not playing any tour games. They're going to play another intra-squad match. Oh, they're not playing any tour games uh, at all? Really? Apparently not. No, there's none organised. Well, yeah. it's, it's bubble related, I imagine, isn't it? Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. That's a good excuse, though. They don't like playing them anyway. Even when they were playing tour games, they reduced the number of days or they ask for 15 players to play. I mean, they just they just take the piss, honestly. Yeah, Wimbledon's on too, right? Robbie needs to be at Wimbledon. You don't want yeah, to Wimbledon's on. mess up shit. Wimbledon's on. There's, there's ads to be shot. There's things to do, man. So anyway, uh, very quickly, should we talk about uh, India Women's Tour of England, um, which has actually in some respects been more encouraging than the Indian Men's Tour so far. I um, don't know if you guys have been following this at all. So there was one test match. Um, and in fact, it was the first test India had played in ages, and it was preceded by a very unseemly row uh, about Indian women not being paid any of their prize money from the World T20 uh, for a good like eight or nine months after. And, and an English journalist, Isabel Westbury, I believe her name is, uh, used to play for Middlesex, is now a Telegraph cricket correspondent. She actually exposed this story. Uh, and the players were paid within two or three days. And it, it just beggars belief that the richest cricket board in the world had not paid the female players. And, and bear in mind, the female players don't get paid much. Um, this World T20 payment is literally life-changing for several of them. Um, totally. So it's kind of unbelievable. It's crazy. Kind of unbelievable. Uh, and they followed uh, a lot of 
the, the, the journalist, uh, she got a lot of stick on social media for daring to suggest that India didn't take women's cricket seriously. Well, evidently they didn't. <laughs> evidently they didn't, and, and I would suggest they still don't. Um, so yeah, good, good, good journalism. That, that's a really good scoop, actually. That's it was, uh, impressive. Uh, a, super, a wonderful scoop and triggered action, right? It's, it's exactly what you want. Uh, so anyway, India went into the test match against England. England ran up 396 for nine in the first innings. Uh, Heather Knight, 95, uh, the captain. And then Sophia Dunkley on her debut, 74, not out, uh, batted really well. And she's, she's very young, I believe. Uh, so she did well. Uh, India uh, were then behind for, for pretty much the whole game. Um, but really the bright spot for India is our friend Shafali Verma, who we talked about before, I think, during the World T20. She's, what, 17 years old, um, bats a lot like Verender Sewag, uh, although I'm, sh- I'm sure she, she may not actually encourage the comparison because cricketers hate that, don't they, when you ask them who they bat like? They're always like, no, I'm, I'm the first Shafali Verma. So anyway, she batted really well, scored 96 on debut in the first innings. 63 in a second. And India pulled out a draw. It was a heroic draw. Uh, they clung on um, a final wicket partnership of 104 um, across, what was it, like 30, 35 overs or so. And they just they just hung on for the draw. Um, so they, they came out of that. I think they'd be pretty happy with that. Um, but England looked good. England looked good. And they've won the, I think, both the one-day matches since then. Uh, and England are looking like a pretty well-oiled machine at the moment uh, in both test and one-day cricket. So that was the women's tour. I think there's still is there one more match to go, I think. Uh, yeah, there's one more ODI, and then there's three T20s. So I think India have a chance in the T20s, particularly if um, Shafali Verma hits hit some form. All right, so that's our reviews. Should we move on to, um, you know, the scandal and gossip? section the good the bad ultra good ultra bad and ultra edge uh i think we've got a lot in ultra bad but maybe darren you can get us going with with something good well i mean we've kind of touched on it already right didn't we the ultra good i mean i think i think after the disappointment of the 2019 world cup final you know that, that incredible game that will never be repeated i mean what a way to finish a world cup just i, th- I think you sort of feel when you're talking to when they talk to Kane Williamson or Ross Taylor, they still haven't gotten over it really. That two years, I think it brings up really difficult memories when they when they talk about it. You know, those few incidents that in the, in the last minutes of the game, the bat of God taking the catch, stepping on the boundary, and you know that whole whole way it finished with a kind of boundary countback. It's still very bitter and raw for them. I think you know they've just not been able to get over the line in any corner, any kind of ICC tournament, right? And this finally winning this Test Championship, the World Championship, is really. Great. And just that, that moment you saw them hugging and bracing when they batted together through a difficult period and got the runs, Ross Taylor and Kane Williamson. It's just, I almost cried. I was, I was quite emotional. You could really feel that finally, you know, that, that, that kind of tension releasing and just the feeling that I've got, we've got there, you know, finally. And against the, you know, it didn't look like there was going to be a result for quite a while with the, with the rain and then, you know, batting through, and then it finally happened in the last hour or so, and it's just it's just such a relief that they had, and just that that feeling that they had of of winning something. It was, it's just so great to watch. Got a bit dusty. Yeah, I did. Bring a tear to my eye. 
And I'm an Australian, see, that's that, and that, you know, that's what the power of sport does to you, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. And, and, uh, Ross, Ross Taylor, I mean, we, we don't really have any ultra exits, do we? Not, not today. Maybe, maybe, maybe Eunice. Yeah, but he's not really retiring. He's retiring from ODIs, right? I wasn't aware he was still playing ODIs. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Maybe that's why. One ultra, (laughs) (laughs) one thing we can say about ultra exits is that Ross Taylor is not retiring. Um, he, he's come out to say that he's going to stick around. What is he? 34, 35? I think he's 37 or something, isn't he? Oh, is he really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he still looks good. And I'm glad he's sticking around. He's They're just both really likable guys, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Kane and, and Ross Taylor. So well done you know, to p- them. With fitness levels these days, you see it in tennis and cricket, right? I think people can go a lot longer if they're still fit and their eyesight holds up and all those things. Um, so he, he he looks like he can still bat- he's batting really well. So, I mean, why not let him go on? Who else have they got? Yeah. No one. Um, um, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, they, they probably do have. I'm sure they, they, seem, they seem to have. Some, they seem to be pretty well stocked at the moment. Ultra bad. There's a lot here. A lot has happened. A lot of a lot of uncomfortable things. Where should we start, Toby? Do you want to go first? Yeah. So look, I, just before representatives of uh, Warwickshire bowler Ollie Stone get in touch, we were actually referring to uh, his county <laughs> colleague uh, Ollie Robinson, who plays, uh, I think, for. Is it Kent or Sussex? I can't remember. Anyway, um, New England bowler and uh, embarrassingly for him and the ECB uh, had been tweeting some pretty unpleasant stuff as an 18-year-old. This comes um, probably the afternoon after the England team was sporting uh, anti-racism T-shirts at the start of the New Zealand test. uh, And I think someone had uncovered these tweets. Um, So... The tweets aside, which is a, as a teenager are obviously regrettable, I think this led to a bit of a uh, bit of bloodlust actually with journalists picking over uh, Owen Morgan's tweets. I think Jimmy Anderson was deleting some stuff. So basically, in- England players were sort of extremely worried about their past uh, social media. So it's a very good lesson there, kids: is be careful what you put on social media. And but w- even more interestingly, and for me, bafflingly, was the reaction that this drove and the UK culture minister decided he wanted to tell the ECB that uh, Robinson's ban was too much and should be rescinded. I think even the prime minister was asked a question about it. And so this, from a media perspective, was really interesting to see that players now are almost being invited to comment on what the prime minister thinks about cricket. And so begin part of the culture war and, and, and all the rest of it was quite interesting to see. And I felt, I felt bad for the ECB. Obviously they've been let down by, by their, by their player there. Um, but it's interesting to see how it's going. And I wonder if other players around the world outside England are, are taking note. Yeah. It's part of the culture war now, isn't it really? I guess, um, especially with a populist government, let's say, um, it's, it's easy, easy headlines, I suppose, from a media perspective. Yeah. But not, not great. For Ollie Robinson, I think, from what I understand, that the rest of the team were pretty shocked when they, when they learned about it. Uh, and there, there was a, yeah, there was apparently a very uncomfortable team meeting. Yeah, and I, 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 they're not questionable tweets either, are they? They're they're pretty awful, right? They're not. They're awful. Look, the only thing you can say is they were eight years ago. Yeah, you can't. But that's, I don't know. Yeah. That's. I mean, obviously, you can't say that stuff, but at the same time, you have to, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe you don't, but you know, there's always the possibility that someone has changed. Yeah, that's true. You can't. You hope true. so. 
you can't judge somebody forever, right? I mean, hopefully that's not forever, really but having there has to be some sort of punishment. It I does, guess, which, which I think the ECB got it right. Yeah, they got something else very wrong though. Um, the umpiring issue. I don't know if you guys have been following this with John Holder and um, Ismail Dawood. No, what's uh, going on? So we've. I think we talked about this on a previous show. John Holder and Ismail Dawood, both ECB umpires had brought legal challenges against the ECB uh, earlier this year, suggesting that their careers had been uh, adversely affected by institutional racism at the ECB. The problem was the law states that any kind of claim of this nature has to be brought within three months of the termination of employment. So the ECB essentially got off on a technicality. The ECB then held a mediation meeting. They said all the right things, you know, we're going to investigate and all this stuff. Um, but at the mediation meeting with the two umpires, um, they did not. They refused to apologize. Uh, they said they 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 acknowledged they may have fallen short of their standards. Uh, there was no compensation offered. Both Holder and Dawood rejected the acknowledgement. Apparently, they were then offered roles in some sort of think tank. They rejected those as well. They said those were token roles, uh, and they declined to sign a non-disclosure agreement. The ECB then came out uh, and said that the, the duo had withdrawn their claim of racial discrimination. Holder and Dawood both responded quite furiously to say they have not withdrawn any such claim. They said the ECB was disingenuous. They vowed they'd never work for the organization again. Uh, I believe the issue is still ongoing, but this particular case has not reflected very well on the ECB. What a mess. And then in the backdrop, the backdrop is obviously Yorkshire still going through some of this with their own former players as well. So it's not a good look, is it? With Ardul Rashid, I think there's a Glamorgan cricketer as well who has uh, uh, contended that his career was... was in, it's, you know, once you lift up the carpet here, you'll find a lot of Asian players, I'm sure, in the English game have, have, have a lot to say. Um, so, you know, these things are, are kind of all ongoing. But I think they handled the Ollie Robinson issue well, because I think that was a more clear-cut one. I mean, there's, I was reading there was a Craig Overton issue I wasn't even aware of. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah, guys remember that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was caught uh, swearing, using racial terms to um, a player in a match which was overheard by Michael Yardy, who's at the non-strikers end. I think he was banned for two games. Um, but he hasn't... Overton, I don't think, has actually... Never apologised or fully, no. you know, very weird um, wording that they're using. And again, that's another headache for the ECB. You've got these younger guys coming in who are not maybe at the same level you'd expect in terms of their ethics that, that they need them to be. Maybe. You know, I mean, Overton was found guilty, I think. Or at least, he, I mean, if he was banned, then presumably, you know, they found cause. I think it was like two matches or something. It two was not matches. very much. But he does not admit he, he said the words. And now he says he can't remember. Yeah, so I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said that myself, ago. but yeah. I don't remember if I did. But I apologise if, uh, you know, it's the usual sort of whitewash I mean, stuff. if you can't remember whether you'd say something like that, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> um, you know, so um, so th those were a couple. And then the, the final thing worth touching on is is Heath Streak, best known perhaps for his uh, his kind of starring role back when Zimbabwe was was beating England 25 years ago. But the, the you know the, the, those days are well and truly over. Heath Streak handed an eight-year ban for corruption. Shocking, actually. He uh, 
He admitted to five breaches of the ICC anti-corruption code, including accepting a payment in bitcoins from a potential corruptor. I wonder if he got that early. A couple of years ago would have been good. Yeah, because, you know, it suggests he's he's both corrupt and, you know, maybe late <laughs> on the trend. I hope he didn't get it a couple of months ago, yeah. He facilitated uh, four players, including a national captain, to a potential corruptor, Mr. X. Uh, he got two John. bitcoins. Uh, yeah, John. Yeah. He got a new iPhone. Um, leather jacket? He did not get a leather jacket. No, that that's, uh, I think as we've discussed, that was Wahab Riaz. <laughs> um, that was a while back, the leather jacket affair. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's always it's always so mundane when you see what cricketers will accept uh, in in return for their like credibility. We should do that. That's a feature, like wor- worst inducements. Well, I think those uh, are, feature. are often from the smaller nations, right? That are not really cash rich. Uh, so of I think course, we need to also yeah. But what that. did Hansi? What, didn't Hansi Cronje? Wasn't there something really like really depressing that he he accepted as well? As all you know, mobile mobile phones are very very popular. I think. With the two Hong Kong a boys. Phone. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> when I call you on the field, you have to answer the phone and tell me. Yeah. I'll tell uh, you when to bowl another ball. Keep the phone. Oh, hand it, handing it to the umpire, the non-strikers. Can you just look after that for me, please? <laughs> Is somebody call. I can't miss that call. Give it to me. Um, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So that's Heath Streak. That's his cricketing career. Pretty much finished. Um, yeah, done and dusted. So yeah, that was a shame. I think on the other good things, I, I wanted to mention earlier about, you know, Michael Holdings been doing the tour now with his Why We Kneel, his How book. We Rise. Yes. Um, hopefully we can get him on our show at some stage. He's been on a lot of other cricket podcasts and I'm pretty sure he's keen to get involved, Mikey. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting book. I just started reading it, but he actually has conversations, which I didn't realize before I read it, but he has conversations with the same Bolt and... Thierry Henry and and different kinds of Naomi Osaka and actually brings that together into the book. And I think we'll all remember that amazing speech he made on Sky that won awards, I believe, won a BAFTA, right? Won a BAFTA, uh, yeah. Uh, talking about Black Lives Matter. So it, he's a great spokesman and it's a, it's a really interesting book. And it's also a hopeful book too. It's, 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 it's talking about the issues, but also how we can move forward. So I do recommend having a look at that or listening to him talk about it at least. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Because he himself admitted... For a really long time, he refused to even think about racism or, you know, consider it, its impact. And now he has emerged as like one of the most eloquent kind of voices on, on these issues. So it's, it's, it's great to see. Mm, really good. So I'd recommend that. Indeed. Yeah, we should, um, we should try and get him on and, and we, should, we should review the book, I suppose, at some point. All right. So thank you. Darren and Toby, uh, appreciate it. it's been a while since our last uh, Ultras pod. I think it's been uh, a pretty busy time, but there's a lot of cricket coming up. There's obviously the India series. So I think we're probably going to have to get back to broadcasting a little bit more frequently. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon.